Yeah, in a weird way, their careers kind of mirror each other without the transfer. You know, if, if Bo stays at Auburn and kind of turns his career around, it, it's looked because DTR was like the prodigal son when he arrived there at UCLA. Everybody's like, oh, Chip's finally got his mobile quarterback. He's really going to make some magic now. And we're seeing that a little bit this year. But again, it's taken, you know, 18 years to, to get to this point. So. <laughs> Um, all right, what else about this game? What else do you guys want to talk about? What do you got, Zach? You look like you want to say something. Yeah, can I give you, I mean, we've we've talked a lot about how I think probably a lot of fans that don't know what they think is going to happen yet have listened to us and be like, wow, I'm still not convinced that I should feel confident in Oregon or UCLA or what's going to happen. One thing that really gives me some confidence that the Ducks are going to be, be able to pull this out is the Autzen factor. Um, I think that We are at hashtag 128 here at Amazing Chopper Base. The Avatarier producers are out there in the living room sleeping, causing all kinds of trouble. Who knows what they're getting into? And after massive technical difficulties, we're here for your listening pleasure. We are powering through this evening. So if you'd be so kind, please go find us on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Click that subscribe button. Give us the five-star ratings. Make sure you get that fresh flockness in your feed. Also, please go check us out on all of your favorite social media channels, the book face, the gram, the tweets for um, all of those fit tweets for, I don't even know where that came from. That was tweets just, for. That, that's a, that's my brain right there, basically in a microcosm. <laughs> you can find me at coach Justin D on those same platforms, including tweets for Shane. Tell them where you are. You can find me at bartender Shane six on tweets for, and at walk of walk Shane six on Instagram. <laughs> yes. I hope that just <laughs> rolls. I love it. And we are of course joined by our third duck amigo, Mr. Duckswire himself, Zachary Neal. Zach, how you doing? Doing good, man. Happy to be here. Happy that we're, we're finally here. We're after rolling some trials and tribulations. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we are rolling and it's a big week. Uh, we've rested, we've hydrated, We've hopefully stretched, you know, we've taken care of our bodies because uh, long Saturday is on its way with college game day rolling into town with the Ducks taking on the UCLA Bruins. We've got ourselves a top 10 matchup, ladies and gentlemen, number nine versus number 10. And then, of course, we're also going to uh, check in on our uh, stock exchange that we kind of created here early on in the season. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode just to get some further context, go check out episode number. Oh, where'd it go? I just lost it. I just had it. I just had it. Uh, 121. 121. And we are, of course, here. And so, yeah, uh, let's just jump into it, guys. Let's just jump right into the draft here, kind of talk about the stock exchange a little bit, and then we'll get into our UCLA preview and all that afterwards. We're going to make you guys wait for that because that's what I know everybody's really here for. Uh, let's just do a quick rundown of our squads just to remind the people. Um, Shane had the number one pick, ended up with Justin Flo, Seven McGee, Jeffrey Bassa, 
and Byron, Byron Cardwell. And um, oops, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, again, early <laughs> in the not your fault. we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> not your sure. fault. Um, I had the second pick. I uh, got Noah Swell, uh, Bo Nix, DJ Johnson, and Terrence Ferguson. Zach with the third pick there at the wheel comes home with Chris Hudson, Christian Gonzalez, Bucky Irving, and Josh Connerly. So let's just kind of go through Shane. Let's go through your squad first here and want to give you an opportunity to either sit on the stock that you already have, sell what you have, or double down and buy some more. So Justin Flo, how how we feeling here? Uh, I uh, Justin Flo, I'm okay with what I have. I think that's a nice hold. I'm, I'm not. I'm not scared off. I'm not trying to sell any of Justin Flo's stock. Uh, I like him. You know where I got him. I got him really early. Maybe paid a little bit too much. But that being said, I'm not ready to cut those losses quite yet. And we have seen flashes of him improving and staying on the field a little more consistently. And we have seen some of the antics that I was concerned about early in the season kind of start to slow down. So I, I feel good about that one. Not great, not bad. Good. I mean, number one, overall pick, he was definitely I probably number one on my board also. So again, nothing, nothing there out of, out of context with the pick. Um, as long as he's not giving any more teammates concussions, I might be interested <laughs> in, in getting, getting some of this stock, you know, cause it's, it's definitely not where it was early in the season. I think if we were to redo this draft, he'd probably be like a second or third rounder kind of coming off the board. But uh, I'd be interested in buying at this at this lower price. Like you said, he's shown some flashes. Looks like he's uh, controlling his rage a little bit more out there. He's not hulking out so much out there on the field. But uh, Zach, how you feeling? You want to buy some uh, Justin Flow stock here? I'm good. I'm going to stay away on this one. That's not because like I, I don't really like him or want him. I just... I. I don't really know what to expect. He's still kind of struggled with injury a little bit this year. Um, and we will talk about it with Noah Sewell too. When we get to JD's uh, squad that, you know, this, this isn't a defense that racks up stats. You know, they're, they're a defense that really acts as a whole unit and wants to get the job done. And they always say the most important stat is a win, which, you know, I can't argue with that at all, but um, I just, I don't know that you're going to get the return on the, the flow stock that you really thought you would at the start of the year. So I'm going to stay away at this point. Valid. Think good takes. And we've seen the depth of that linebacking core behind him. And we'll talk about a couple of those other players coming forward, but they've also picked up a lot of that slack. And again, it's, it's a, it's a team defense. Like you said, Zach, it's definitely a team mentality out there. All right. Moving over to the offensive side of the ball, Mr. Seven McGee, Shane, how are we feeling? Ready to sell this stock. Uh, uh, he's just not being used good in the call. offense the way that I kind of hoped that he would. And it just doesn't seem like they're going to that that short pass screen uh, with him that that I thought they'd be kind of using him as that running back on the sidelines. And he's just not getting consistent enough run. And that's partly due to some other wide receivers just being really talented and him just not really fitting into the scheme of the the downfield passing attack that is Bo Nix once that that running game really gets going. Yeah, I'm going to keep this one simple i would also sell seven i mean we were kind of sold the bill of goods that he'd be the next to anthony thomas and that's not even close to what we've seen so far so uh, i think this offense runs through a lot of people but he's not one of them so far so that could change but uh, you know i'd rather be not holding this and see him go wild 
than holding mm. it and get stuck with that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm kind of in the same boat. I think uh, if we had like, you know, advanced stats, his usage, you know, has got to be really, really low. His share of the offense right now in regards to targets and things of that nature is very, very low. So he's just not getting the run. I mean, he's a talented player, but just not getting the run. Well, real quick on that too, his usage rate when he's on the field is actually very high. I mean, he is like, I think last game, I, I this is off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he had like nine snaps, but four targets and four catches. So his usage rate when he's on the field, he's they're getting him the ball. He's just not getting on the field as much as we thought yeah. he would. So snap that's rate. The problem yeah. With right now. Yeah. All right, jumping back over to the other side of the ball. And Mr. then when he's out there, almost like is like a, I think, no, you're yeah, good. we're around the lag. Go ahead. Now my, inter- now my internet, of course, is lagging after, after all the other technical <laughs> difficulties battled through, but we'll push through. But yeah, go ahead, Shane. You were making a point about seven. Well, when he is on the field, it's almost like a little bit of a, a smoke signal to the defense too. And that might be taking away from a little bit of his production at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a big tell to have him out there on the field for sure. All right. Jumping back over to the defensive backfield. Once again, third round pick Jeffrey Bassa. Shane, are we selling? We buying? We staying? What are we doing? This is the one that I feel actually good about. I would buy, 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 buy. I would take all my seven McGee stocks, sell that and pour that into Jeff Bassa stock. I like everything that I've seen from him this year. The concerns that I had about him when, even when we did the last episode going into when we, you know, with the first, whatever this is exercise, uh, they've all kind of gone away. He's, he has shown that, you know, his, his size has been a little bit of a detriment. He's gotten run over a couple times, but even then I just like that. He's putting himself out there in position to get run over. And even then that is better tackling than we've seen from some of the other players. At least he's slowing down ball carriers when getting run over. And then <laughs> some other defensive backs could, could learn a thing or two from that. Yeah, he's not playing any of the uh, old yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'll I'll keep it yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet. Give me all the Jeff Boss so that I can get my hands on. He's he's uh definitely a, a buy right now. Yep, absolutely. I feel the same way. All right. And now kind of the, the disappearing man here back over to the other side, the offensive backfield once again for Mr. Byron Cardwell. And I think we all know what this one's gonna be. Yeah, uh, sell, cut whatever losses. Uh, you're going to get nothing for it because he's a, he's a non-factor on this team at this point. Injury bug, and it just doesn't really seem like it's it's going to be changing anytime soon, unfortunately. So I would have to ditch any part of Byron Cardwell's stock at this yep. point. Nothing to add. Yep. Sorry, exactly Byron. The I, same. Uh, I wish it was different. Yep. Yep. Talented. Talented. We wish, wish him the best for sure. All right. Jump over now to my squad here, having the second pick, uh, the f- first player we took, Noah Sewell. I, I, the fact that I got him in the first round, I don't think I kind of feel the same way that Shane felt about Justin Flo. I don't think I need to buy more. I think I have an appropriate level of stock right now because he's played well, but I don't think he's reached that that ceiling 
that we anticipated and making those kind of explosive defensive plays, getting those TFLs, getting those sacks, creating fumbles, things of that nature that I, ex- I expected him to be more of a wrecking ball on this defense. And I think we may see more of that here in the second half as he begins to get more comfortable in the system and the schemes, and maybe he's putting himself in a position just to get to get the spot sooner you know, just a half a second sooner, things of that nature. But uh, I think I'm good right now on the, the amount of stock that I've got. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm not trying to buy in. If I had the stock, I don't know that I'd be selling it, but it's a lot about, about what I said with flow too. I'm just not sure about what return you're going to get. It feels like buying, you know, Apple stock right now you're gonna be paying a lot for it then i don't know you may make a little bit of money down the road but uh it's it's not gonna you know do a i would i would almost push want. back a little bit that i think because for at least statistically i think he is gonna have a little bit of an uptick in the second half of the season here i think they're gonna be seeing teams that are gonna be running a little bit more with some of these more predominant offenses where it's almost like when they're playing some of these other teams, they're playing keep away from him a little bit, trying to neutralize this, you know, because he had uh, in the last couple of games, I think if there were some injuries that were lingering at all, I think, I think that later on in the next few weeks here, and maybe even I, I do have high hopes for, for this Saturday that he has that big time national coming out party. Yeah, I think I think that's perfectly said. I think that's perfectly said. We're all kind of on the same page. Now with my second round pick, kind of a I mean, at the time it wasn't, I didn't think it would go this well, but I think I'm buying more Bo Nick stock. I think I'm looking to get a little bit more. Just I mean, not not a crazy amount, not like a double down, maybe just a little nibble, you know, here as, as things approach. I think his stock is definitely higher than it was before. So again, not trying to buy crazy amounts, but uh, feeling good with the amount I have and looking just to add just a, a to scotch more. What about you, Zach? How you feeling? Yeah, I feel like I'm the most bummed not having any Bo Nick stock because at this point it's so expensive that like I would be paying a lot to get some Bo Nick stock right now. And I'm not, not sure that it's going to continue to rise more than it is right now, but Man, it it sure looks great to have him in the second round. That was, I think, that's probably the pick of this whole exercise. Which I mean, that's it's not like it was a wild pick. I mean, you picked the starting quarterback. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> but it was also just, I mean, Bo Nix. We didn't expect him to be this good. So, yeah, credit to you. I I wouldn't say it's the the best pick. I think we might save that for a little bit later on in this. Uh, you know this this version of the exercise but yeah i mean i like like zach said is can Bo play any better than this like i, I hope so but i don't think so <laughs> yeah go ahead and knock on wood there I, I don't know if he's necessarily reached his ceiling but boy he's certainly he's he's uh, the ceiling is the roof he's sitting his head a bit up against it a couple times there for sure all right in the third round mr dj the predator johnson himself um, this is another one where I think I'm comfortable with the amount that I have. He's played well, um, put himself in a, in a bad position um, there with a targeting call, missed a half a football. But uh, I think I think the amount that I've got now is a good amount. If he's playing, he's putting up some numbers, causing some uh, some explosive plays on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I think I think I'm good. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I. Uh... I would like a little bit of the stock. I don't think I would, you know, throw a ton of money at him, but he's he's someone that I could see the stats really 
nitpicking in which we've seen him, you know, finally playing in one position. And I think that's going to, that's going to help as the season goes on. So I think he's going to have a, a really good second half of the year. I would buy a little bit of this. Yeah. I think he's been good, but I think he's been about as good as we thought he was going to be. I don't think he's really like, you know, I don't think for, for what he was billed to be and what he's been able to do. Absolutely. Yep. I think we're all on the same page there. All right. The fourth round selection, tight end, Terrence Ferguson. Um, kind of at the time, I wouldn't call it a dart throw, but just kind of a gut call. Thought somebody that might be highly involved in the offense, considering the, the success of tight ends out there at Georgia. But Zach, what are you feeling here? I think I'm good. I don't think I need to buy any more. Zach, what about you? I kind of feel the same way about Ferguson as I do with DJ that I I'm really impressed with what he's done. I would like to buy a little bit of him just to kind of have in case he does, you know, take another big step up the rest of the season, but he's a lot better. I mean, his stock has definitely gone up a ton from the start of the season to now. So um, I wouldn't buy a ton because I know it's more expensive than I want it to be, but I would like a little bit of, you know, a little bit of exposure to turns. What about you, Shane? I would probably just stay away because the price would be really high. And with that tight end room, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and it's just hard to say which one is going to have the best game that week. So, I mean, as, as much as I love Terrence Ferguson, it's just, he's probably going to be the most expensive tight end right now. And at this point, I think that he's, it, it, we still don't know if one of them is going to have more consistent, you know, second half of the season than any of the other ones. So just kind of a, I would just stay away, but not, nothing to take away from what Terrence Ferguson has been able to do. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, let's jump on over to our third team here. Zach taking wide receiver Chris Hudson in the first round. We buy in, we sell in. What are we doing? This might be a surprise. I'm actually trying to buy a lot more Hudson. Um, I, I don't smart. think that his, his stock is as high as I thought it would be. I think he's kind of leveled off from the start of the season to now. I don't think it's really gone up or gone down, but I've also seen that he's starting to have more of a role in the offense. And they're really trying to go to on some of those deep balls. He's getting connection with Bo Nix. So I think I'm going to try and buy a little bit more of this, not a ton, but I think he's really going to show out in these next few games and, and establish himself as, you know, that solid wide receiver too. not quite the, the possession wide receiver that Chase Coda is, but you know, a really, a really solid piece of this offense. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of gotten the short end of the stick a couple times this season where they really tried to work to get him the ball, which means that they're seeing good things from him in practice. And they've definitely made it a point of emphasis to really <clears throat> try and get him involved in early early in some of the games. And uh, there's been a couple of points where he's drew pass interference calls or things are just like, uh, I think Bo Nix overthrew him in the end zone in the last game or the game before that, but he was actually open. Just kind of stuff like that where, you can see that he's frustrated because the the output hasn't come out on the field yet in these big games, but I think it's going to. I think we're going to see a huge Chris Hudson game later on this season. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm good right now. It's a it's a player that I think his stock has gone down a little bit for sure um, from a first round pick, you know. But I think what you guys are saying is completely possible. I, I can see that that playing out. You know, him having a big second half. I'm just curious again how this target share continues to to work itself out. 
<clears throat> and how much Oregon continues to throw the ball. I think they're really looking at themselves and their identity more as a downhill running team. So is Bo going to get those 30, 35, 40 attempt kind of games to really be able to spread the ball around to all the talent that he has out there? Uh, I think it's a good pick. I think he's, again, solid talent, but I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm good right now. Uh, a player that I would definitely buy some more of, though, here up next, uh, Mr. Christian Gonzalez. Zach, how you feeling? Yes, I feel really solid, but I feel mostly good about where I got him. I don't know that I'm necessarily trying to buy a ton more because I think his stock is pretty high right now. I think I've made a pretty good return on him uh, getting him in the second round. He's probably arguably, you know, first or second best player on that defense. So I think he's going to continue to have a, a really solid year, but um, I'm kind of okay sitting and watching this this stock grow and mature a little bit, knowing that I already have a good chunk of it. Absolutely. Shane, what about you? Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, obviously, he's been, like I said before, the biggest surprise for me uh, just because of, you know, how little we knew about him coming coming into the year and didn't think that he was going to be arguably the best player on defense. So getting him in the second round is huge. Still don't think it's the best pick in the draft so far, no, though. I think it's the next one. I think yes, it's the next one too. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think his stock is definitely up there. This is one that I'd buy like one or two, nothing crazy, but just, just to have in the portfolio, <clears throat> especially to see what he can do at the next level because of the projections that we're now seeing for that NFL draft and being a top 10 pick. Hopefully he doesn't become a Patriot. That'd be tough to root for, but we'll see what happens. All right. The four alluded to Mr. Bucky Irving here in the third round. Great value. Zach, I can only imagine what we're doing here. Yeah, I'm definitely buying because at some point, I think Oregon is going to learn what they have on their hands and start giving him more than 11 carries per game. And we're going to actually see some, some massive stat lines because anyone that watches him, you see the talent that he has, the elusiveness and physicality that he runs with. And Bucky Irving is a, a tank out there, but he also just escapes tackles so well. So, um, yeah, I definitely want more Bucky. I'm thrilled that I got him at this price early on. And I just I think he's going to keep growing and keep maturing as a stock. So give me all the Bucky you can. Yeah, every last loose cent. I'd be looking through couch cushions to try and buy more <laughs> Bucky Irving stock. It's the it's the balance. It's the eyes. It's the the footwork. It's the the elusiveness and just kind of has the knack for running the ball. Uh, it's that perfect balance of patience meets explosiveness. And it's just he he kind of just glides down the field. It's amazing. Um, and then he's also like he's he's all over the field. He's involved in the passing game as well. They do that cool thing where they line the running back out wide, see if that's, you know, to their advantage. And then they'll bring him back and then sometimes even run a running play. And I think a lot of Bo Nix's success is through the play action. And that's a lot to do with this amazing running game. I mean, we got to tip our hat to the offensive lineman talking about the running game as well. But I mean, some of the things that I've heard about Bucky Irving, we talked about in the last episode, I think uh, I've gotten a little hyperbolic with him, but that is to say, because when you watch, it's like, if you were an alien and you came to earth and you were watching it, it'd be like, this is the best running back I've ever seen. Like, you know what I mean? It's, he looks like this. Why don't they give him the ball every single play? He's just getting eight yards every time he touches it. So yeah, great to third round. Great, great pickup. 
Yeah, the Bucky offense. Yeah, the Bucky offense might be pretty successful if we just let him touch it every single time. Yeah, you guys said everything that needs to be said. Super talented player. Definitely be looking to to buy some stock of his right now. I don't know if I'd be digging through couch cushions necessarily because, again, it's pretty pretty high, and I think there is. But I, I, I can see... Dillingham and Lanning saying, well, he's being successful because we are limiting some of his touches, you know, and we are Absolutely. keeping his legs fresh and we are keeping that spirit of competition going in that backfield to keep all three or four of those guys really hungry for that next possession, that next touch. Yeah. That's the only thing that really worries me is that it's so at this point, you know, it's not broke. So why, why fix it? So, I mean, they're, they're doing really well, giving Noah 10, 11 carries, giving Bucky 10, 11 carries, giving Jordan like six or seven carries and, and Sean dollars, you know, five or six carries as well. So um, I'm not sure that he's going to get the lion's share of the load uh, anytime soon, but I just know that if it does happen, you know, the sky's the limit. Well, and if we did this exercise again, we'd probably each have a running back, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we probably like with what we know about, how, a how they're going to use all of these guys and b that all of them are sick you know what i mean we'd all want a running back on our team that isn't named byron cardwell <laughs> so sad yeah it's uh it's not yeah. a dig at you byron if you're listening it's just it's it really is what not, it is man no, no it's and that, i think that needs to be mentioned yeah but all right our last player here of the draft mr josh connerly zach how are we feeling about josh connerly so I'm going to sell all but one share and hope that we're allowing this game, that share to be carried over into next year. <laughs> because, because like, I, I don't, you know, I don't need them for this year. I mean, Oregon's offensive line is so stacked. TJ Bass at the left tackle spot is doing everything you want from him. So I don't think Josh Carley outside of that 14 personnel is really going to get any run in this offense. And he's done well in that jumbo package, but you know, I, his stock isn't going to move in my opinion at all this year because they just don't need him. They've got uh, a veteran starter at the left tackle spot. So, uh, but once we do this game next year, which I think we will, cause I think we all enjoy it. I will definitely be buying Josh Connolly stock because I think he's a supremely talented athlete and going to be a really good tackle for this team. What about you? What about you, Shane? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, the, the O-line is so good. Like it's so, I mean, we really don't know about the depth of the O-line because a, these guys have been healthy knock on wood and B, you know, why, why would we mess with, with what's going on? I mean, they're not allowing QB pressures they're not allowing sacks. The running game has been amazing. The polling game has been amazing. Like Big Sal getting downfield and like on some of these polls is just, it's bonkers with how big and fast he is. So yeah, I mean, it's just that, that I think that was a great pick. I think that was kind of one more of like a, like penny stock sounds like disrespectful, but I think that was kind of more of what you were going for is just a high return on kind of a, a late round pick there. And it just hasn't really panned out because like you said, they've just been so good. Yeah, he feels like a break in case of emergency right now, kind of on that sideline, <laughs> where if they do run into injury issues, and again, knock on wood that um, he's available for him. Because I think, yeah, once again, big, talented kid. Would love to see him get out there and uh, maybe get some more run in some of these blowouts that we uh, look to see uh, later on in the season. Or maybe this weekend, maybe this weekend, as number nine, 6-0, oh, UCLA comes rolling into town to take on the number 10-ranked 5-1 and one Oregon Ducks. 
I believe this is a 1230 kickoff there at beautiful Otson stadium. Uh, before we get into too much of the game preview and kind of the nuts and bolts a little bit, of course, let's talk a little bit about game day coming to town. Great experience. Um, definitely. Do we know, are they setting up over by Lillis again? Like they have in the past? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be in the quad if they announced today. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, you guys going to go? Oh, no. no. Definitely not. <laughs> game day is one of those things where, like, if you've been once, I think you're good. You don't need to go again. You kind of get the experience. If you're a college kid, absolutely, I, I encourage you to stay up all night and drink and go and be there at 6 a.m. But, you know, we're all uh, a little bit past that right now. <laughs> yeah, I went once when I was in college. And, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I just – I didn't do it right. I mean, I – had too much fun i think and i was just like i was kind of over the experience at a certain point it was just so much people and like when you're just like well I'll just go out and say it when you're like too drunk and you're surrounded by like two thousand people it's like super <laughs> overwhelming and like sensory overload and i just didn't want to be there but i didn't also have a way to like leave at the same time in like a safe fashion so i have like ptsd but also it's like fond it's a fond memory at the same time <laughs> Well, when you're that drunk and it's also like 6, 7 a.m., it's kind of like, all right, am I supposed to be here right now? Like, mm -hmm. the, I don't think I'm supposed to be in public. And like, anytime like, I, going on? <laughs> I don't, like, I actually don't sleep. Like, when you know, like, I stay up for an entire night. Like, I, it does weird shit to my brain. And then if you add, like, alcohol and maybe some other stuff, you know, like, it's, like, amplifies that. So, yeah. But I mean, nonetheless, I mean, go, you, you check it out, do it. <laughs> Hydrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely go. I mean, unless you're like the Coog flag guy, I don't think you have to go to game day, like every single week, kind of a situation yeah. done at once. Um, I was uh, teaching my exercise class this morning and uh, one of the ladies in class, her son is all super stoked about getting to go and was talking to you know i was planning on staying up all night getting down there at 4 a.m camping out it's like ah oh, the good old days mm -hmm. yeah. no yeah. desire to ever do that ever again i just got like i got way too excited about it you know what i mean and it was just like you know those first few beers go down and you're like i could do this for the next 12 hours and it's all it's day. Like, oh yeah uh, <laughs> we know it's actually all so, too well like when i ran that half marathon in june it's like the same thing like i was like you know just flying like this is good you know what i mean <laughs> like, <laughs> you get to eighth ninth mile you're like i made a mistake <laughs> this is not good anymore all right well of course one of the big things of college game day is the guest picker that they have come out and uh you know make their picks so who's uh i think we all kind of have an idea of who the the favorites might be so we can kind of talk about that but let's throw out some dark horse possible selections here too so shane who do you think is going to be the duck guest picker i would go with uh either ty burrell from modern family famous duck alum or my personal choice like if i had to pick my like my dream person caitlin olson sweet d also uh, from, yes, it's always sunny in philadelphia <laughs> always it also an oregon duck alum yes good absolutely. pull good pull that's a good one about you zach i think if i my second choice we'll get into the first choice because all of our first choice i believe is the same but i really want to see Devin allen out there mm. i think that'd be oh, awesome to see him yeah. he is such a great summer got signed by the eagles unfortunately got cut by the eagles uh after training camp but you know, I think there was kind of a Devin Allen resurgence this past summer. I mean, he was kind of back in all of our lives with 
uh, the Olympic trials and everything. So I would just love to see him kind of on that stage once again. Uh, I know this won't happen because he has like an important job that he does on Sundays, but it would be kind of cool to see Justin Herbert in that spot. And uh, just to see him have an opportunity. I'd love that personality out just a little bit. I think that'd be really fun, but yeah, I think uh, all of us are our number one selection and probably the selection that ESPN will make is the mother of ducklings herself, Miss Sabrina Unescu. I think that's just too perfect opportunity ESPN to push the, the WNBA platform a little bit more, try to, to capitalize on her rising star. You guys all, I'm, I'm guessing, are all here on the same boat. Nope. Yes, uh, the Sabali sisters. Oh, oh, yeah. that'd be fun, oh, too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, be yeah. Both of them. That. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a good one. But no, Sabrina's a great choice. <laughs> well, and Sabrina is already going to be in town uh doing a basketball camp, I believe. Mm-hmm. So ESPN literally like doesn't have to pay for her to fly her out. Yeah. Get out yeah. Here. It's like, it's just, it, it's too easy. It makes too much sense for them to go with her. So I would be shocked at this point if they announce someone else. Yep. I kind of, feel you heard it here first. Way. Yep. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we've, uh, we've broken a little places. news on here in the past. So you never know. You never know. All right. Number nine versus number 10, UCLA, big balls chip coming back to Otson Stadium. Uh, lots of storylines here, lots and lots of storylines, lots of different angles that we could kind of take to attack this game. Uh, Shane, this is uh, not what we usually do, but I'm curious on what the, the the degenerates have to say about this game right now. What is uh, what does Vegas have this line at right now? Well, should we should we tackle that? We want to go through the the whole thing. No, I just I just want to do the line right now. I just okay. I was just curious about the line, and then we'll get into it in Duck Junior Corner some more at the end. Uh, so right now they have UCLA getting six points. Wow. And yeah. so that opened with UCLA getting just four and a half mm-hmm. and has been bet up oh. to six. Oh, so oh. do with that what you will. Mm-hmm. Is Vegas Which back in love with Oregon? May or may not Apparently. be a good thing. Um, I mean, that, that definitely <laughs> means some some sharp money came in on Oregon at some point. But at the same time, the way that number just kept rising makes me also believe that a lot of public people were also yeah. on that number as well. Six points does make me a little bit nervous. And then, I mean, I don't think it'll get too much bigger than six. I think that that point and a half swing there was about the the ceiling for that moving that way. Well, and they kept it in that Vegas zone. You know, they kept it out of the, it's not passing through a three or a seven there. Well, I I wrote earlier this week that if this line gets over six and a half in either direction, I would be taking the opposite side of that. Even if it was, you know, I might be taking UCLA plus six and a half because I think that this is going to be a close game. Uh, We'll get into predictions later, but I I can't see this being more than a a touchdown uh, in favor of either side. Interesting. All right. So that's definitely one storyline to keep close tabs on. Uh, we usually go to a Mr. Duxwire himself here to get a couple Bruins that we want to talk about. So, I mean, obviously we know, we know some of the, the big names here, but uh, Zach, why don't you uh, run us down a couple Bruins that we need to know for this matchup on Saturday? So we know quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. We know running back Zach Charbonnet. Uh, one guy that the Bruins picked up this year is wide receiver Jake Bobo, a transfer from Duke. Uh, really big red zone target, six foot five, two hundred fifteen pounds. Uh, 
He's got, he had two touchdowns and 142 yards against the Huskies earlier this year. He's got five touchdowns on the season, most of them coming in the red zone. So he's kind of like their version of a, a Terrence Ferguson where they just, they get inside the 20, inside the 10, and they look his way. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Christian Gonzalez matched up on him a lot. Maybe a little bit of Jeffrey Boston because he's got some size and physicality to him. Uh, but he's one guy that I'm really looking at on their offense because we know that, I mean, Oregon did step up against this, uh, against the pass against Arizona, but that's still the weakest part of their defense is the secondary. So um, whenever we're game planning and I'm looking at who can beat the Ducks, it's going to be a wide receiver most of the time. And Jake Bobo is definitely someone that is capable of doing that. Well, in DTR, Mr. The Van Wilder of UCLA that's been there just forever. I mean, he's shown much better accuracy this year, shown some better decision-making, so it doesn't surprise me that he's trying to feed feed the big fella the ball. Um, Shane, as you look at this game, what is are you are you kind of in, in line there with Zach where you feel like the Ducks secondary is still the biggest weakness, or is there another, is there another angle that you're kind of looking at? No, it's I definitely think it's the the secondary, but where I'm a little bit more worried is not as much stopping DTR in the big passing attack. It's going to be slowing down uh, Chabernet, Charbonnet, Charbonnet, Charbonnet. And uh, and the way they just get him the ball uh, a ton. I mean, not only in the, the running game, but in the passing attack. And I think the passing attack too. some of the screen game is more worrisome. Uh, we've seen players in space have success against Oregon. And that's where we've seen a lot of missed tackles. And this might be the most talented back. Well, maybe not the most talented back that Oregon's seen this year, but he's on the biggest roll. He's probably the hottest back that they've seen so far this year. And so if they keep continue to get him the ball and he's able to get the space into space outside of the hash marks, that could be, that could be worrisome for the, the Triquez bridges and some of these other guys who have already kind of struggled with the arm tackling. So I agree that the, I mean, Oregon is really good against the run. They've got one of the better rushing defenses in the, in the nation. The rushing defense still gives me a little bit of pause this week, not because of Charbonnet, who's a great back. I think they're going to do a, a decent job of bottling him up, but DTR is really good with his legs. We mm-hmm. talked to Jordan Riley and Casey Rogers today, and they both compared him. They're both uh, Nebraska transfers and they compared him to Justin Fields with Ohio state who they played uh, when they were at Nebraska, and they said that his ability to get out of pocket and make the defense wait until the last second to commit to either the run or the pass, his ability to do that and kind of keep you guessing the whole time is good. It's really hard to defend. And so that's where I'm a little bit nervous to see the quarterbacks out on the edges, you know, your tri triquezes, your Dante Mannings. Uh, if they can really kind of stay home and play to their keys and try not to let him, you know, loose out on the edges. I think that Oregon can win this game, but he's got an ability to kill you with his legs. So that's one thing that concerns me. And it's that Cameron Ward kind of play style too. This team is built a lot like that Washington state team is on offense at least. And I mean, especially the way that DTR has been playing in the last like three or four weeks, I know that he's kind of made us all look pretty dumb in our, in our picks a couple of times so far this year. And I mean, with like Arizona, the thing that we were worried about with uh, Jason Derula getting out and running around and making those plays, that didn't really happen for one reason or another. I mean, I think Oregon did a great job. Jason Derulo? Delora? Derulo? Jaden Delora? Jaden Delora? You said Jason Derulo. I may have. To Jason (laughs) Derulo. Sorry to interrupt you. I couldn't let that one go. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been Freudian slip there. But, anyways. 
I, I he did have some bangers. Um, but yeah, he didn't really like get out and run. It didn't really seem like that was a point of emphasis. Where you know with these Chip Kelly teams, that's definitely going to be more of a built-in game plan. Well, and I think kind of what Zach was mentioning earlier about how this Oregon Duck defense is much more of a team style defense now, that's going to be really tested this week. Because if you get out of alignment, if you get out of your lane, if you don't stick to your assignment, DTR and Chip is going to notice that and they're going to look to take advantage of in the next couple plays. And that's that kind of offense that they run where they're just looking for those weak links or players that are playing themselves out of position. So that's definitely a storyline to follow. Let's jump on over to the other side of the ball. I'm really curious to see how Dillingham and Lanning decide to, to attack this UCLA defense. Do you guys see this being more of that, that ground and pound kind of keep, keep away kind of game or Shane, do you see this being a game where the ducks look to kind of air it out a little bit more? I don't think we see anything much different than we've seen against every other game, every other matchup this season. They've kind of had the same formula where they're going to start running the ball. They're going to get the offensive line pushing that D line back. And then from there, they're going to use, you know, that uh, once the defense has to get a little bit more aggressive, that's when Bo Nix is, you know, able to kind of get out and use his magic out there. And once they get that play action rolling, if they're getting the ball downfield that way, that's when this offense is at its best. So I think we're going to see a whole lot of the same. Yeah. I, I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. I think the key to Oregon's offense this week is remaining balanced because I mean, UCLA there, it's really interesting that they're kind of a mirror image of the ducks and a lot of the standings and the statistics, because they've got a great defense, a great rushing defense. And they've got a great rushing offense and a, a pretty good passing offense too. They really mirror the ducks in a lot of ways. And so like, like Shane said, I mean, Oregon's going to have to really establish a run early, but not be afraid to take shots once they get, you know, seven, eight guys up in the box and get that play action working too. So I think staying balanced, not keying on one part of the offense is really going to help on Saturday. I know that was interesting. I was looking up uh, some of like, when I was looking up DTR stats, I saw he had four rushing TDs on 42 attempts. And I was like, that's like pretty good, you know, for like, you know, a Pac-12 quarterback. And I was like, I wonder just how we, sh- what that is comparison to Bo Nix. Uh, Bonex is eight on yeah. 40 attempts. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they are, there is a lot of that same the similarities. Cause I mean, even four touchdowns for a quarterback rushing is halfway through the season. That is nothing to look, you know, yeah. nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Well, he's definitely, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know who's, who's the better athlete. Who's the better athlete there at the quarterback position is it DTR or is it Bo? I, I don't know. I wouldn't feel confident saying one or the other. I mean, that's, both, yeah, that's, that's tough. That's, they're so similar because they're both so veteran too. I mean, Bo's in what his fourth year, DTR's in his fifth year. I mean, these guys are not, it's not just their talent that makes them so good. It's their experience and their guile and their composure out there. They know that they don't need to make the mistakes. They don't need to make the huge plays. It's just, you know, they, they really put the ball where it needs to be and they, they game manage very well. And they've both gone through their fair share of uh, difficulties too. I mean, DTR, there was a while when we were looking at him as one of the worst quarterbacks in the Pac-12 and being like this, you know, this underwhelming, you know, he was billed to be so much and pairing him with Chip Kelly. And we looked at it as kind of a failed experiment for about two years. And some people kind of felt that way about Bo Nix as well. So seeing both to be able to be these like professional style quarterbacks in this college system and just be like the adult in the room for both of these teams is actually really cool to see that they both kind of figured it out later in their careers. 
Yeah. In a weird way, their careers kind of mirror each other without the transfer. You know, if, if Bo stays yeah. at Auburn and kind of turns his career around, it, it's looked at because DTR was like the prodigal son when he arrived there at UCLA. Everybody's like, oh, Chip's finally got his mobile quarterback. He's really going to make some magic now. And we're seeing that a little bit this year. But again, it's taken, you know, 18 years to, to get to this point. So. <laughs> Um, all right. What else about this game? What else do you guys want to talk about? What do you got, Zach? You look like you want to say something. Yeah. Can I give you, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about how I think probably a lot of fans that don't know what they think is going to happen yet have listened to us and be like, wow, I'm still not convinced that I should feel confident in Oregon or UCLA or what's going to happen. One thing that really gives me some confidence that the ducks are going to be, be able to pull this out is the Austin factor. Um, I think that UCLA's biggest win so far, both came at home. Um, if you are someone that's on Twitter, like me and Shane, you see how little of an impact the crowd has down in the Rose Bowl, that they have virtually no fans at any of their games. Austin's going to be packed. That's going to be sold out game day. We've already touched on everything. It's going to be a raucous environment. And I think that's really going to play a factor. Um, I don't know that UCLA really knows exactly what they're getting into. And it'll be interesting to see early on in this game. I'm, I'm curious to see first five, seven minutes, how many false start penalties are there? How many, you know, illegal procedures does UCLA have? How do they adapt to this crowd noise? That's going to tell me a lot because if they struggle, it's not going to get any easier by the time they get to the fourth quarter. So uh, that's one thing that, you know, gives me a little bit of solace as a, you know, in my heart of hearts as an Oregon fan that, Otson, I think, is going to come out to play on Saturday, and I think they're going to have a huge difference in this game. And also, I think that one storyline that's definitely going to be talked about that we haven't really touched on too much is kind of the return of Chip Kelly back to Otson for one of these big games. And we saw when Chip was here, sometimes in big moments, big balls Chip could kind of get in his own way and kind of try and do a little bit too much. You could get really cute at some time. Sometimes in some of those national championship games, I know there was definitely points where everybody was going, what the fuck is he doing? There was definitely times when he fell in love with the swinging gate thing and kind of may have cost Oregon some points. Sometimes we were just like, kick the extra point, bro. You know, this is getting ridiculous. And one thing uh, I did see on Twitter today, this is per at Sco Ducks with a Z. In four years at Oregon, Game day featured the Ducks 11 times. In five years at UCLA, where Chip Kelly's been, uh, game day has been featured twice, and both times were against Oregon. And so you know that that kind of thing is going to be affecting Chip Kelly. He does have – he coaches with a bit of an ego. So him coming back into this environment, he might want to get too much. So, yeah, to see the start of this game is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I, have a, I think it's going to have the feel of like a boxing match. You know, each team kind of feeling each other out there in the, the first quarter, taking some jabs, seeing seeing how the other teams look to to modify, you know, what they're doing. And it's it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be really fun. I think we fun. might see some haymakers out of the gate. Really? You think you're going to see some, I, some deep I think bombs that's, and nine I routes? think that could happen. I think you could see some kitchen sink plays early in this game. One other thing that I'll add, um, I mentioned earlier, we talked to Jordan Riley today and I just asked him, I said, you know, this is your guys' biggest game since Georgia. You know, obviously we've, I mean, you've won games, but none of them against, you know, massive opponents at all. What's different about this team? What did you learn from that Georgia game in preparation that you can take into this game against another a big time opponent? And he said that they just really didn't know how to prepare properly 
at that point. They were still getting used to each other, still kind of feeling the whole team out. And he said that it's just kind of night and day how things have changed in the preparation going into this game. And he feels like they're so much more in sync. I feel I know that both teams had a bye going into this, but um, I think that's just such a well-timed bye that they were able to spend uh, a whole week just on themselves and getting better at their own technique and their own scheme and then start game planning for, for UCLA. And Lanning said that, you know, not all teams get better during bye weeks, but I feel like our team really got better during this bye. So uh, that's just one thing that gives me a little bit more confidence as well. And we did see them doing some like team building activities too over the bye week. And I think that's always good when, you know, brand new staff and they're still really get really getting to know these players on a personal level and everybody knows like we all played you know team sports like that bonding that happens throughout the season there's no way to really replicate that and you know that landing and his staff getting there they want to they wanted to kind of speed that process up but sometimes that can make it even weirder you know what i mean Where it's like hey let's all be friends immediately it's like i don't fucking know you dude you know what i mean like <laughs> stop that shit so i i think where they're at now and plus now this team knows what they are going into that georgia game they didn't know what kind of team that they were they threw a 50 yard pass to seven mcgee in that game you know what i mean so it's like they they figured things out at this point they know they know this team has an identity like we've talked about before like what are they going to do differently nothing because they know what they are they they are built to win games the way they're playing right now. I dig it. I dig it. Anything else on this game, guys, before we uh, jump into some Duck Generate Corner? All right. Uh, actually, real quick, did want to mention we did have a U of O hockey uh, defenseman Hunter Voyles on the podcast last week. And uh, the Ducks went and got a nice sweep of the Colorado Buffaloes there. So there we well go. done, U of O hockey. All right, Shane, turn it over to you, bud. Duck Generate Corner. Let's get it. All right, so last week, Zach and I had a little bit of an underwhelming week and uh, went five and seven. Justin, this would have been the week for you to put some money down, my friend. Nine and three. Hey, catapulting yourself into second place at 37 and 40. I am now in third at 35 and 42. And Zach has the tight lead at 40 and 37 going into this week. Uh, Only got four games this week. I thought about adding like an extra one, like, you know, an interesting. The, you know, fuck you, Mario, just Cristobal game, but there was really wasn't much in there. So it's going to be what happened in that sweet. Miami game. I didn't um, ever see my, the, the final Miami one by six. Hmm. What was the line? I forget. Seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. So they didn't cover. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The exact. The only ones we fucking, it was, it was brutal, man. Like, well, JD picked Colorado, so yeah, yeah, that was definitely got off to a hot <laughs> my, start. My buffs, baby. Yeah, it was that was a rough <laughs> one. All right, so uh, we touched on it earlier. UCLA is getting six points at Austin. The one thing that we didn't talk about uh, was the under over in this game is going to be LOL sixty nine and a half. <laughs> I was thinking like seventy two when you brought up over under. So yeah, that makes sense. What do you got, Zach? I'll let you go first. Give me. UCLA and the over. I think my official score prediction is 38-34 Oregon. Okay. <clears throat> give me the Ducks and give me the under. I think in all this talk about the, the offenses, I think a, a defensive battle may, may emerge in this game. And we may see some uh, some just some big plays on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the ducks and I'm gonna take the under. I could see like a got a 27 17 kind of score on this game so what do you got shane 
Uh, I got this one with the over because I have still yet to see any evidence of any of these games going going under. Um, and I went with Oregon. I think that even though it's sitting at that six points, this game could be tight down the stretch. I'm predicting a Sean Dollars 50-yard touchdown to win the game with under a minute left. Oregon Ooh, wins by seven, wow. cover, covers okay. by a point. Love it when you call your shot. Bold prediction. <laughs> so if that doesn't happen, I just want to make sure that you get this whole pick wrong. I take it. Dollars. Yeah, just... I take a major point off. Yeah. Actually, okay. I'll take five wins off. Yeah. Um, so next game we got here, Arizona State, surprisingly to me, getting three points in Palo Alto against Stanford with an under over of 55 and a half. Stanford beating Notre Dame. Who would have thought? I know. David Shaw saving his job. Yeah. Which, yeah. Let's I mean, see that who, was... who called that one? JD got that one right. Yeah, JD it is. Yeah. Who's the new uh, Notre Dame coach? Again, He's got to be on some some hot water there. Mark uh, Freeman, I believe. Mark, yeah. Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Uh, Arizona State's getting three under over 55 and a half. Give me Arizona State and the under. I'm going to just say ditto on that one. Yep, no explanation needed. That makes all three of us. Um, all right, it's next one here. to go over. Fade <laughs> <Yeah>. us immediately. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I still, like, I watch Arizona State, and I'm like, damn, dude, they got good players. Like, how did Herm Edwards fuck They're this up so team. bad? Yeah. And then I watch Stanford, and I'm like, I don't like this team at all. I just, <laughs> I, I hate terrible. watching them. And then they beat Notre Dame, and I'm like, what the fuck? I don't get it. Wow. No, but yeah, no, no, has got they have awful it, this year. They've they got serious problems. Yeah, but they all I mean they also have like guys, you know what I mean? It's just like they it's just like two teams that you can tell don't really believe in themselves in Arizona State and Notre were, Dame. Wasn't Notre Dame top ten preseason? Like they were they were like, like their highest horse pick in the playoffs. Yeah. It was yeah. their highest preseason ranking since like the 70s or something like that. Anyways, yeah, and that's uh, terrible. Moving on. This one is probably the most interesting game of the week, I would say. Colorado's on the road in Corvallis getting let's just all right. No, no, no. Let's just do this real quick. Guess guess the line on this one. Colorado's <laughs> in Corvallis. Let's do a little bit of an experiment here. I think Colorado's getting eleven. I was gonna say Oregon State minus 13 and a half. Colorado's getting 24. Oh, Against Oregon State and a backup quarterback. Oh my yeah. god! Wow. I still don't know which side I want to take. So should I just pencil you guys in for Colorado then? Because you just—I mean, I just gave no. you an extra twelve points. <laughs> yeah. Well, you already know I'm taking my buffs. I'm going to stay with them. Yeah. Got to do it. What's the what's the over under? Uh, Fifty. Just give me Colorado <laughs> and the over. That is so low for a college game. 50 points, especially when it's a 24 point spread. Give me, yeah, yeah. Oh, but that Oregon State offense is bad. Give me so the under, yeah. Give me the under. That's two really bad off. Yeah, I don't see a lot of points there. Is that in research, too? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Wait, it's so not called research anymore, is it? Uh, oh, it still is called so, research yeah. stadium. Okay, all right, so yeah, that was. Sure it is. JD, do you have the under or the over there? Sorry, I wrote under. it down backwards. Yeah, under. take the under. And then Zach, you had the over. Correct. Yeah, I'm going to go Colorado on the under. Uh, I think Oregon State 
could win like seven three, and then Colorado could win. I just I feel, <laughs> the only thing I feel comfortable in is the under because I just don't see a lot of points being scored. <laughs> and then the last game of the week here, we have Washington State on the road in Berkeley, laying seven and a half points with an under over of fifty seven. It's funny this this game like two weeks ago we would have been talking about like Washington like minus fifteen sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Wait, is this the Huskies or the Cougars? Oh, uh, the Huskies. The Huskies. Oh, oh, it's Huskies. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. If you lose to Colorado, I'm like, I think I'm forbidden from picking you the next week. So give me the Huskies and the under. Berkeley. Yeah, give me the Huskies and the under too. I like it. Uh, I went with Washington and the over here uh, with how Washington's offense has kind of stalled out the last couple of weeks with this inferior opponent, not your typical Justin Wilcox defense. I think we might see that, that Phoenix guy try and throw all over the field and uh, kind of write what's, <laughs> yeah, I like Phoenix more. Didn't he have a huge yeah, line last a, week? Yeah. He had a big game last week. Yeah, like record setting. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think they're going to continue to just air that ball out, and they might try and run the score up and kind of try and get some more hype around that Washington program. Going. Actually, yeah. Can I switch to the over? You just convinced me. <laughs> Sounds. That's good. a very good point. Yeah, because I mean, they were. I mean, they were getting a lot of media hype there for a second. Now it's all kind of gone mm-hmm. away. Yeah, sometimes I, I pick the over-under based on what my heart says at that moment. And if I've learned anything, it's just kind of fade what your heart says this <laughs> year. Fade so. your heart. <laughs> I'm just going to listen to Shane. Plus, I've never – I always like to, to like, think about which coaches are willing to just beat the living shit out of other schools. Like, Ohio State mm-hmm. is, like – they will beat teams by a million if they had enough time. And I think that Washington at this point in the program is is in that – I mean, I don't think they're Ohio State talented, but I think they have that mindset where, like, they we're not going to run the clock, slow things down, and anything like that. We're just going to score as many touchdowns as possible, especially when you have a quarterback well, who's in, thrown for a million yards. Yeah, yeah, they're they're in kind of damage control this season too. They're trying to you know look as good as they can because you know they started out so hot and then took a dump on the field. So, mm-hmm. but if they, I mean, if they were to you know win out and beat you know a couple quality opponents at the end of the year, they could still find themselves right back in like you know not a top bowl game, but in there somewhere. Yeah, you know the Vegas Bowl. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't think of Washington Whatever and not think does. about like a uh, hashtag Go Dogs Gate. It just makes me laugh every single time I think about it. So I kind of forgot about that. So good. All right. Uh, any hot takes? We have we've reached the end of the podcast here, gentlemen. We've battled through some some trials and tribulations, but we have reached the end of our journey this week. Looks like Zach's shaking me off. Shane, you got a got a hot take you want to throw I've- down? I have a question and like this, I have kind of a take attached to it. If you could buy one player's stock that we didn't talk about, if you could go and find like thinking about this earlier, just one player that you would like to just add to your list at this point, knowing what we know now, maybe somebody that wasn't necessarily, you know, a a top build player going into the season. Yeah. Alex Forsyth. Just going to say that too. Yep. Yep, yep. Um. Oh, Ben Williams. Oh, Another good yeah. one. 
Yeah, that's another yeah. really good one. I was, I was thinking Bennett Williams or Chase Coda. Chase Coda is a solid one. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really been what used as much as I thought they would. I might go a little bit uh, deeper into the roster here. What I've seen from Jaleel Florence and when yeah. his little bit of good time call. on the field, I think that he might even outplay like Dante Manning by the end of the year. Yep. Good call. Lock, I like lock that. favorite Jaleel Florence. Yes. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. All you beautiful flockers out there, thank you for listening. As always, take care, yo, chicken. Take care, yo, mentals. We appreciate you. We love you. We out. Peace. I almost forgot to do it there. Sorry.